Support for the Managing Major Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Matt, you know who definitely Manscaped today? Rafael Varane. Right place, right time. He was perfect with his positioning. He anticipated balls at the far post. Scored a brace. He definitely manscaped in the, in the absence of Sergio Ramos before the game. Oh, he definitely did. But you know who didn't, Keon? Odriozola. Second week running. The man has not used his manscape. And it's apparent. Second week running, he hasn't been uh, up to up to par. So we might have to ship him something out. Alvaro Odriozola, if you're listening to this, go to manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRIDAPON. Check out. You'll need it for your next game. So go to manscaped.com, use promo code managingmajid, that's one word. Also, I don't think we've mentioned this, but it's actually waterproof. So the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. That seems like a pretty good bonus. So again, get 20% off and free shipping, free shipping, emphasis free shipping, with the code managingmadrid, one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code managingmadrid. Your balls will thank you. Dramático final en el Alcoraz por la pantalla de Bean Sports. Busca el centro Tony Cross, puede ser. Ganaba Casemiro, gol de Barán. Gol. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Keon Sabani. It is Saturday, February 6th, just after 2 Eastern. We didn't record this one right after the game. Uh, we wanted to see if Mayral was going to start against Juve. He did. Uh, it was a classic Mayral Levante throwback, which we'll break down uh, on the Lone Tracker on Tuesday. Some nice performances from Real Madrid alumni, notably an assist and a great goal from Cristiano Ronaldo. So bring forward to Tuesday. We are here to discuss Real Madrid's win over Huesca. 2-1 uh, after a Varane brace, which is interesting in itself. But we'll break it all down in a moment. Matt Wiltsey is here. Matt, this was kind of a game where things happen, right? It wasn't wasn't too bad to sit through. It was it was like, you know, chances created, things happened, and Varane scored two goals. Yeah, and it, it, it livened up a little bit more in the second half as well. So I think the game progressively got better we had some i think i think what you can take out of this performance more than anything is just some really good individual performances in good individual performances and and some not good at all so um this was a strange game where real madrid had about six i think it was six players off off the bench or available to come off the bench that is and it made me revisit on a whim, my article from 2019 entitled Real Madrid's depth chart on the books in midfield is ridiculous. And I was revisiting that. And the players involved in that article were not, there was, I think, two of them uh, left today, counting Casemiro as a defensive midfielder, so he doesn't count. So the bench was very thin. And Huesca, as Jose and I previewed on Friday, and really he did most of the work and obviously posted a great piece for managing Madrid as he always does, 
to preview the game, um, that Huesca were not going to be a team that you can just roll over. And look, we don't. I don't think anyone needs to tell fans that. Like fans had the experience of Real Madrid season. Basically, has been. It's just every game is hard. Every game is laborious. Every game is um, tough offensively. And there are moments defensively where the team also struggles in transition and, and and so forth. So what did you think, Matt, of you can talk about the starting 11 and maybe like the first 10, 15 minutes that uh, that the game opened with? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the 11, given the injury, picked itself. Um, we obviously got a first start for Vinicius Jr. since December, I believe. Uh, and Odri Azola got a second consecutive start. And poor, poor Odri Azola. I mean, that guy literally, I think it was a minute into the game, just passes it, has all the time in the world, all the time in the world, takes a touch, picks his head up, and then directly passes it to, to an opponent. So... That was kind of summed up his day. I mean, I felt like he just never really got it going. And you and Ohm and I were, were talking in uh, in Slack, and it was just so apparent that his confidence is shattered. Like, he's just mentally nowhere near the player he was. I mean, you think back. I mean, he was great for Real Sociedad. Even for uh, Lopetegui Spain, people forget he, he was kind of a fixture for Lopetegui in the Spain squad. And... Played really well in his debut. Played well for Spain, too. So it's not like it was just at La Real. And this guy, we haven't... At Real Madrid, I can't even think of a good performance. Like, he just... It it hasn't come with him. Maybe he's one of those guys, kind of like Yaramende, where they just never get the confidence going and never get the self-belief to, to make it work at Real Madrid. But it's been... I've got to say, I've been pretty discouraged with Odriozola, and tonight's game was 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 no different. My hope for Odriozola is that he kind of has possibly Teo Hernandez slash uh, Iaramendi syndrome, where it's like you're really good at another club, you're touted, you're scouted, and you're brought in. And in Iaramendi's case, I felt that at Real Madrid he was a little bit mentally fragile, like he couldn't just he just couldn't cope with it. Um, yeah. in Teo's case, it was a confidence issue I found. And, and then when he went to Real Sociedad back on, or he went to Real Sociedad on loan, it didn't get that much better, if at all, because he still had a lot of defensive lapses at Real Sociedad. It was at Milan where he really found his home. But, um, I think that Odriozola version of Odriozola at Real Sociedad is not, it seems very distant now, but it's not inconceivable that he can recover that at some point in his career. And I hope he does. I think like in this game, it was weird because the point I made on Twitter, and it's kind of confirmed when you look at the heat maps at halftime, and, um, but also just going by your notes and the eye test, everything. What was strange about his performance to me was that you had a lot of work from Casemiro, Modric, um, Varane coming over, even Nacho coming over all the way to the right side sometimes. He, and, and I think that Nacho performance... He had to be spread thin a couple times, and one of them was in the first half where he had to go over um, to cover for Odrizola. And for some reason, like all four of those players continually found themselves in behind Odrizola trying to cover. And that makes sense to an extent because that's what happens. Like when fullbacks push up, the the scheme requires central players to come over or the wingers to drop back. I thought what was odd about it, though, is that you didn't. it's not like you saw Odriozola in the final third to make up for it. Mendy was much more advanced than Odriozola was. And he just, I guess, I guess, like, you know, 
it's not uncommon for Real Madrid to funnel all their possessions on the left and then switch it a few times a game to the right side where Carvajal is. I just feel like Carvajal is a lot better than getting in those positions and getting a switch and creating havoc. Um, so that was, for me, that Odriozola just seemed like, for lack of a better word, I you know, I, I don't know if, I, I think it's just a confidence issue. Um, you mentioned the giveaway. I thought there was another moment, like two minutes after that, where the ball is coming to him and he just doesn't react. The ball, he just doesn't yeah. come to the ball and he loses a 50-50 that he should have won, really. It was a pass to him and it got intercepted. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment where Casemiro actually comes over to his side, covers for him, wins the ball, and then Odriozola receives a pass just like a few seconds later and just doesn't come to the ball. Um, now, like I, again, I, I don't know what to make of it for his entire career. Like if we were just trying to figure out like what happens to him. He had a couple moments where he made good runs to drag defenders away from Modric to create space on the right. He did get on the overload a couple times. His crosses were to no one. Um, and he did have a moment where he recovered defensively just by pure speed alone, which is something he could do at Real Sociedad. So it's not unrecoverable, but right now he needs to dig himself out of this mental funk, I think. Yeah, and those like that that moment you talked about, the, the classic diagonal switch to Carvajal, I feel like... Udriozola's characteristics are tailor-made for that. Like that's that's where he yes. would thrive is hitting him on the weak side, using his speed, late arriving run, and then just cutting the ball back to the top of the box or putting it across goal. Like that is that's what he is all about. That's what he what's in his locker. Like that's his skill set. And to your point, Keon, even that he he's not doing, and he just it wasn't there at all. Real Madrid never hit that. I, I can't think of one time that happened in in this game with uh with Odriozola so yeah like you said we'll see I mean now he's got an injury so that that hasn't helped him either the the few times he's had opportunities this season he's managed to get injured and that's what's given rise to Lucas Vasquez at right back so um we'll see we'll see if he if he gets another chance in a Real Madrid shirt this is such classic Real Madrid every time one wing back gets injured everyone else in the backup positions gets injured yeah. too so yeah. we're, we were down to Mendy and then freaking Marvin Park coming yeah. off the bench and playing as a right wing back kind of pseudo right back kind of it was a 3-5-2 because Casemiro dropped but we'll get into that later um, what did you think of just the offensive kind of bounce of the team did you like the flow did you like the runs that we were making did you felt like we could have done things better what how did you feel watching that first half yeah so the first half i thought i thought there were some positive takes away to take away so there it was kind of like up and down for certain players so i mean cruz i'm sure we're going to get into cruz he was just unbelievable the whole game and he played some great vertical through balls uh, one if you remember early on kind of in the 10th minute to Asensio, who controlled it really well with a man on his back, laid it off to Benzema. Benzema found Vinicius in spot to try to create enough space for himself, but the touch was a little bit heavy. And I thought that was kind of like the story of Vinicius's game. He put himself in a lot of dangerous situations. He used his speed and his skill set to to beat Maffeo multiple times, um, to, to get into dangerous spots. But then, as we're also accustomed, him to the final ball the final ball final shot it just wasn't there um it continues to be something that blocks Vinicius progression but at least today what I liked was I felt like Vinicius was taking his man on a little bit more 
He had four dribble attempts. Three of them were successful. Um, so you saw kind of, you saw spurts of the Vinicius from 2018, 2019. And so that, that was encouraging for me. Mm-hmm. I, I just think eventually you have to believe. I mean, maybe it's not, I, I tweeted out, maybe it's not under this current version of Real Madrid. But if we become a more vertical, transition-oriented, high-pressing, high-aggressive team in the future, or even a counterattacking team, then maybe, maybe that gets the best out of uh, Vinicius. Because I, I think the raw ability is there, the skill sets there, his XG and XA numbers are are sky high. Like I, I, I do feel like it can come around. So I, with him, I, I think this particular game was was tailor-made for him. Um, you know, this was a kind of a rare moment where Ramjo weren't facing a, a a low block, and with Huesca, they're a bit of an outlier with the way they play, and especially since Pacheta take over, but also with Michel, where they had a lot of possession uh, and tried to to dominate the ball in, in under Pacheta. And one of the things that I was looking out for was that uh, in Jose's scouting report that they press high. And then they try to retract in the low block. But that, in theory, is very difficult to do. because, And I think you saw that today. Because I don't think their press was very good. And the other aspect was that they also kept a high line. And I think if Real Madrid's passing was a little bit quicker, a little bit crisper, they could have created more chances. But the the times that they did get into just quick vertical passes and transition that advanced the ball very quickly, you had the Vinicius break, which was offside. Or these moments in transition where Asensio and Vinicius get the ball. And Modric and Cruz for picking them up. And, like, for all the things that we, you know, the complaints about Fetty not playing and Odegaard not playing, um, Modric and Cruz have been incredible. And that, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this means for their season as a whole. They're going to get burned out soon because they're just playing literally every second of the of every game. But they've been really good, and and that's that's been huge for just the midfield's functioning. I think if we had a little bit more of an efficient Vinicius and Asensio, this game would have been over sooner. And I think that even even that, I will say, they actually weren't bad. Like I I, I really enjoyed this Vinicius game, and I and this is the classic Vinicius game is that you just notice him. He's doing things. He's attempting things. That's apart from that silly thing where he just scooped the ball into the sky and then it just went out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> I think like a lot of people tried to applaud that and I really tried to applaud that, but I think that one is just like, okay, like I think you just in that moment maybe simplify it. But, um, yeah. but you know, he, he did things. I think Asensio was active too, which was nice to see. He's continued his string of uh, performances that are good offensively anyway. Defensively, him and Odriozola together is, it continues to be a nightmare tandem. Um, which which is maybe why Odrizola stayed back a little bit and Varane stayed back quite a bit. And Nacho got ahead of the ahead of the opponent's third a little bit more. But I thought, you know, they at least tried to get into good positions. And I thought they... But I think the problem was in that first half, they didn't generate as much offense as they could have to, uh, to score goals. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you bring up Asensio. I thought his movement especially was really good. And I thought... Um, he, he, they both were bright spots. Maybe they tailed off a little bit at the end of the first half. Um, but I, I, I feel like the momentum with Asensio, the more encouraging performances, especially since the start of the season, like he's been, he's been something to cling on to. He's been, we talked about the lack of hope 
uh, last weekend, I think it was. And he's been something that is making us feel a little bit more encouraged. Though I do want to ask you, because I saw um, Lucas tweet this out, he feels that although Asensio is playing better, he still doesn't feel that he can be that guy in the attack, to take on the leadership role. Do you agree with that? Or do you Are you willing to, to write Asensio off in that regard? I agree with that, but I also feel that he doesn't need to be that guy. I'm o- totally okay if he just turns out to be a really, really good player, squad player, who contributes offensively but isn't the guy. Um, I don't think he needs to be. I, you know, if he's a complimentary piece, that's fine. We've had many complimentary pieces um, throughout Real Madrid history. It, like, if you want to even look at the modern era, whether it's somebody like Santiago Solari, Pedro Munites, or Jose Callejon, like these guys, they're always needed. So I, 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 I don't think he is the guy, um, but I think he is a guy, and I actually think he's more talented than those players I just mentioned. So he can be a better version of those those players. I don't think he's going to be the leader. I think you still need a superstar to carry the team, but I'm totally okay if he's just coming in and just doing things, constantly staying active, because he's hard to defend in those situations. The only thing I'd counter that with is all the players you named, and you could probably, I mean, you can definitely add Lucas Vasquez to that list, is you can't, those players didn't get caught out defensively, lack of track back as much as Asensio has this season and in the past, and that's, that's where if you're not going to be a luxury player, if you're not going to be this transcendent attacking player, then he's got to improve on, on that end of the pitch. Well, I don't know if that was a counter or or a double down on what Lucas says because, yeah, I, I think defensively... Yeah, not a counter, not a counter, yeah. I think it's like with, yeah, with him, that, I mean, that's a great point. If you're not doing things offensively and you're a liability, you're just, you're a double liability at that point. Uh, but, you know, so... We're, would you say this string of games has been enough from him offensively or do you need to see more output? I would like to see more more output. Because if like you look at his highlight more... reel from the past month, I think you could put together a compilation of crossbars and posts that he just had yeah, a, yeah. a bit of bad luck. Um, if the, like a, a, an inch here or there, he could be looking at like five goals in the past. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's kind of hard, but I mean, like he did. So obviously, the the obvious answer to all this, yes, of course, he needs to be better offensively because the whole team just needs to be better offensively. I think with him, um, there was that moment in the second half which I enjoyed, and that he wins the ball in midfield, carries the ball, and then and then dribbles yeah. it, and then fires it from a tight angle. I thought that was good. I thought that was all encouraging. I also think, and this because kind of plays into a schematic thing. There were so many times in that first half um, where Real Madrid get the ball, and it's usually Asensio makes a good run to the left, and he gets the ball, and Cruz picks him out, and he crosses, and it's like everybody knows that this is not going to end up anywhere. Like you just, it's it whether it's under hit, over hit, perfectly hit. It's there's nobody there to capitalize on that cross. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like it, that, that stuff drives me nuts. And that's a combination of like he needs to recognize that. But second of all, like what is this schematic plan? What is the offensive design? What is the offensive blueprint? Because you're because Benzema is sometimes in that position, sometimes not. And if he's there, he's often marked heavily. And if he again, if he hits it, if he under hits it, Vinicius is not there because Asensio is on the left usually, and Vinicius is either wide. Um, or he's dropped back. And on the far right, Ordeo is not even in this, that stratosphere to receive a pass. 
So it's just like thing moments like that drive me nuts. It's like there were so many crosses like that where you look up. It's like okay, good work to find space to get the cross in. But what is the point of doing this? Because we all know the outcome. Like it's just it's so easy to defend, and, and that that part of the game between him and everybody in the design, it just needs to be better from an offensive standpoint. I think. And the comical thing, I know the exact play you're talking about, is in the 28th minute where he comes out to the left, crosses it, and the comical thing about that play is. Guess who the only person in the box was? Odrio Zola. <laughs> I don't know. Casemiro, of course. Number oh, Casemiro. Yeah, yeah. He, that guy is just basically, at this point, he's a number 10. He's a number 9. Yeah. <laughs> he's a number 4. He's just <laughs> multifunctional at this point, which yeah, is good so, and bad. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, but that, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, to your point, like, just recycle possession there we're we're it's obvious we're a possession based team like just get the ball circulating again until you can find maybe a vertical through ball or what whatever it may be you don't have to force the cross um and i i I do think that was kind of a reoccurring theme in this game the only ones i mean we we mentioned it i mean cruz just had majestic through balls over the top vertical every way every which way you looked at it i mean he was phenomenal and then modric just some deft, delicate touches to to break uh, to free himself from a marker to create space. Those two, again, you said it earlier, Kian, but they have been our best players this season, without a doubt. And they they're the reason why all these youngsters haven't been able to get in, get a match. I mean, they're this is. Would you say? Tom said it was Cruz's. He thinks it's Cruz's best ever season. Um, I don't know. Do you do you agree with that? Um, let me think about that for a second, but let's also um, bring in some Cruz numbers from this game. So yeah, he had six key passes. He had yes. <laughs> 95% passing accuracy, 95.9%, 95, basically 96%. Five of his, or se- seven crosses, five of them accurate, 12 of 13 long ball accuracy. I mean, those numbers are just, he's a, he is a cyborg. Like he literally is a cyborg. Um, best Mark of his career, I don't. Because we were saying the same thing last year, weren't we? His goals and assists per ninety minutes are are down pretty well, like it down significantly. Um, I really, I, I, I mean, I'd be curious to know what metric he's saying that by. I don't know. Um, well, uh, I mean. Some some other stats just from this game, his progressive passes, which yes, many of them uh, were set pieces, but 18 progressive passes in this match, just absolutely ridiculous. He had uh, seven passes that went into the penalty box, and he had 12 touches inside the penalty box. So, I mean, he was a key figure in that final third, and just... Every all of our, I, feel, I felt like all of our attacking play just came from his boots. It is, it is like from a passing perspective, and it's again, it's hard to to believe that he's actually improved. I believe since we've started recording the metric, according to Football Reference, I may have to double check this on other sites because I don't know if Football Reference has it backed up all the way historically. But this this is his best passing season from a passing accuracy standpoint, um, and. He's at five expected assists per 90. 
that's an insane number I for for this juncture of the season and and just with the sample size we have to sustain that. So I'd I'd have to think about that a little bit more. Uh, I will say this: it's probably not that far off, um, but I'd have to look at it deeper to see to see because it's really hard to to kind of answer that on the spot. I do think like to me, I mentioned this uh, maybe a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago on that uh, all time. Real just starting 11 we did since we did that podcast in 2018 and revisiting a couple years later his legacy in my mind has actually shot up even more even though the club's the club has been so in such a bad spot for a couple years I think I think he has a case for the being the best passer of all time like he he's just so mechanical but in a good way like it's just his neurons fire like he it just flows so naturally he knows exactly how to how to play the passes, how to lead the passes, and he's just—I feel like he's just getting better and better at that at a, like a remarkable rate. And he's already he, and he was already so good at it. Yeah, I think, the, and this is this is my opinion. So I don't I don't hope no one comes uh, bashing me for this, but I personally feel I'm not saying he's a better player, but I personally feel that he will be tougher to replace. Real Madrid than Luka Modric. So Modric is Modric is not as good a passer as Cruz, but what? But Modric's um, kind of replacement value is that you need you need somebody to cover ground the way he does, yeah. and way, it's a, it's a bit blasphemous to say, but Fede Valverde kind of does that, and mm-hmm. he covers that ground. Is he as technically gifted and aesthetically pleasing as Modric? Of course not. But you can get people to cover ground the way Modric does. I don't think you can get somebody like Kroos. And if you do, it's a generational piece. Because the same way Xavi could just control things, Kroos can do that offensively. And um, yeah, so for that reason, I actually do agree with you. Um, All right, so let's talk about... um, Did you have any... Talk about... uh... Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead. Yeah, um, I just want to talk about Rafa Mir. I mean, especially in the yeah. first half, this guy. I know you tweeted out that he, he, we make him look like Lewandowski. He, he really every time he plays against us, he's a, he's a nuisance. He's just a monster. Um, there was a couple of times he just takes one touch and then completely takes Nacho out of the play and burns him down the flank, and either gets a cross or a shot in. I mean, he. He's just a physical monster. We're not used to seeing his type of profile in La Liga, I feel like. And so he, he thrives under those conditions. And he's really been, I mean, I've been impressed with him every single time. He hit he hit the crossbar. He had uh, the most shots for Huesca um, in this match. I think it was four. And so he was just, I mean, all day long he gave us headaches. Well, I, I, um, I thought it'd be interesting, like, if because with, with Wolves, when they lost um, Raul Jimenez, I I thought he was an underrated candidate to bring back as Good somebody, yeah. as somebody to um, at least see what see what they have in him, um, and maybe accelerate the, the the process with him. But with him, the weird thing about him is that I or the weird thing about the way we defend him is that we just kind of don't like. It, this is the second game now we played against them, and he was open like for uh, like 180 minutes if he put these two games together and we kind of got lucky and dodged some bullets so I, I just didn't feel like we did good enough to contain him and we just again we were a little bit lucky so in the first game we played against them 
he made a lot of runs that were kind of undetected and Huesca just couldn't get in the ball. And Real Madrid kind of left him open. In this game, um, he had several chances where he just gets on the end of things and we couldn't really put a stop to it. So you mentioned the one where where Nacho couldn't keep up down the flank. Um, so the one he... I think he hits the crossbar in one of them in the second half, right? Yeah. I think on that one, if he squares it to... Um, uh, who's the Japanese guy? Oyazaki? Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if he squares it to... O- Okazaki, sorry. Okazaki. Okazaki, yeah. If, if he squares it to Okazaki in that chance, I think that's... Uh, that's that's a goal because all he had to do was tap it in. But he also had a couple other moments um, and one early on the second half. So the one I'm talking about is the one where I think it was Seyoani, who the former, obviously, Real Madrid Castilla product, who brings the ball down nicely and then um, in transition. And this was like a period where Real Madrid's defensive line was being very shaky. Like they, you know, especially where, you know, they get that ball over the top of Odrizola somehow. And... They exploit that high line. So Sayoani brings it down nicely and then switches it to Rafa Mir. And then all Rafa Mir has to do in that moment is just cut it back to Okazaki and he doesn't. Uh, and then he had another another header, which was a good opportunity. So, um, oh, and he had that one early in the, in the, in the first half, um, like early, early on the game in the third minute. So this was a, a good Rafa Mir performance, but if he's a little bit more efficient, I think he would have punished us. And, um, you know... There was a this game. I think could have been swung either way. It's funny because like in this second half when it was one one, I actually genuinely felt the pendulum could have been swung either way, and ultimately it swung in Real Madrid's way and it was a deserved victory. But I I, I felt it was up in the air in the second half. No, you're right, and I think um, I mean you look at even just looking at Huesca's shot map, they had 13 shots in this game. Nine of them were inside the box. So it's not like they didn't have opportunities. They did, and they did uh, put us under some pressure. So this is this was not kind of one of those games. Obviously, we we've said it we said it at the start of the podcast. Like it's a bit laborious, kind of taking on every single game. But this is what it is at this point. And um, Huesca were not easy to roll over. And I think RXG. So RXG was three point five four to Huesca zero point nine two. Um, obviously Varane's two, two goals, almost like right on the goal line. Yeah. Kind of inflate, inflate the XG. They were basically a goal each for those two. That's why it's a bit inflated. Yeah. And also Benzema's two big chances. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, you, when you factor that in, I mean, I even think some of Huesca's chances like that Rafa Mir header, uh, in the second half could be valued maybe a little bit more. So this, I mean, this game, I like you said, Gian was a little bit more on a knife's edge. Real Madrid kind of got it going late on, um, but it, it could have swung either way. So this is a kind of a, a repetitive kind of game. I feel like that we've dissected before multiple times in the last two years in that it's like, okay, you have all these encouraging things happening um, and you kind of feel like, well, you know, on another day we would have scored more goals, but then you just... There, that that another day, quote unquote, never really comes, and it kind of felt like almost one of the performances where Real Madrid kind of grinded their way to those one 0 victories to to win the title last season, where it was like, is this really sustainable? And it like kind of isn't. And 
the fact that it was so hard to do against Huesca in a vacuum, you take a 2-1 win away to Huesca where you had a 3.54 XG and Varane scores two goals. And you look at that and you might be like, well, this is this is the type of game that wins you titles. Obviously, it doesn't work in this context because this is almost every game you're you're trying to figure games like this out. And then you had a loss last week in, in a similar situation where you just couldn't figure it out. And those two Varane goals came off of set pieces. They were both set pieces, right? The second one was yeah. the cruise free kick. The first one was the Benzema that hit the crossbar. So did it, I guess, did it surprise you that that's how we ended up scoring those two goals? I'm sure it did. That's kind of a rhetorical question. But do you want to walk us through um, those plays and and how, how Real Madrid scored on those two, two sequences? Yeah, and before I walk us through that, I want to uh, kind of extrapolate on, on what you just mentioned there, though. The fact that this... That that run, that COVID after the COVID lockdown, that run. Obviously, we go on that winning streak. A lot of one nil victories, a lot of grind out victories, a lot of favorable refereeing calls. We've now seen that kind of stretched out over the course of a full season, and that's it, it's not sustainable. You're right, it's not because that's why we have the Alaves results, the Elche results, the Osasuna. Just go down the list, and this this felt like it could have been another one of those. Easily could have been another one of those either losses or boring draws like that's what this could have been and that's we're seeing now that that small break for for the lockdown we were locked in obviously and focused and had a couple calls go our way had had things momentum kind of work with us but over the course of a season you can't rely on that and I think that's where we've been found out this year um but yeah on those goals um the first one Benzema takes the free kick i think it's the first time we've seen benzema take a free kick for real madrid and uh hits it perfectly like every it, it just looked like he had the the intention behind it all like he just hit it, it it dipped right at the right time and smacked off the crossbar and did that purposefully um and fortunately veron was right there basically at the goal line after it it hit off the crossbar and tallest guy in there just knocks it in with his head so that's the first goal uh and then five minutes later actually people i think many people forgot this but veron nearly scored again from a corner kick in the 59th minute um and it doesn't show up on our shot map because it was actually blocked by uh, a huesca player who was kind of standing right in the goal but he nearly scored his brace there he could have had a hat trick on the game uh and then the last goal was in the 83rd minute Veron gets his brace, and it's Cruz sends in the free kick. It goes to Casemiro, who knocks the header down. Um, Huesca's, Huesca's goalkeeper, Fernandez, makes the save, and the Veron's there to, to pick up the scraps and just tap it in, which actually it was a little bit more difficult finish than it looked because he was running in full speed and almost clanged into the post when he when he made that finish. Um. I think it was the was it the first one or the second one? I'm kind of mixing it up now. Where the goalkeeper just needs to do a lot better. I think. I mean, I think you could argue both. Probably but both. But I think there was. One. I think. Yeah, I think one of them was more glaring than the other. It was like that. That ball just shouldn't have gone through. But it was also just bad defending as a whole to leave Varane open yeah. at, at the far post when those when the ball comes across. Um, yeah, I, I think. Obviously, it was very unlikely paths to go on, on both those sequences, but 
good job to Varane, but also good job to Casemiro to, to, to nod that back. I don't know who, who it was. Probably you or Ohm uh, who mentioned, like, you know, we're getting Casemiro the ball at the far post for a cutback because it's something that we can actually do well. Um, <clears throat> where do you want to go from here? Um, I think I want to talk a little bit about Madrid's pressing in this match. Okay. Um, and it, it's first half and second half. I think in the first half, and I think it was a clear pressing trigger for, for Madrid, was to target Dumbia in the middle of the field. Um, we had two kind of clear-cut chances come from nicking the ball off him in the first half. One where Asensio's heavy touch kind of ruins the opportunity for him, but uh, and then the second one was Vinicius Jr. presses Dumbia. I think he ultimately got called for the foul, but if that it was it was a debatable call, and if it went if the play went on, we would have been clear and through. And so I thought uh, Madrid did well from that perspective to press. But then you go to the second half, and this is where the first goal is kind of a function of if one person is delayed or one person is late in a press, then it can easily fall apart, and that's what happened on the first goal. We actually forced Huesca back to their goalkeeper, Fernandez, who plays it out to the center back, and so we decide, okay, we're going to press. And Mendy's all the way up the field, Vinicius is pressing, Cruz is pressing, and Huesca's trying to find a way out. They ultimately pass it to the left, onto the left flank where Cruz's marker had moved, and he had not followed, and so he was a too late and they break through the press Nacho then gets on two minds he, he's not sure whether he should step or if he should drop off and he ultimately decided to step which was not the right decision um, he should have just dropped and tried to recover as much time and space as possible instead Huesca go through on a 3v2 and that's where everyone was kind of busting their ass to get back I think Asensio probably could have done a better job to get back um, and cover, uh, who was it, Galan that scored, Galvan that scored. And uh, that, I mean, that's what happens when, when the press breaks down. You, you can get sliced apart so quickly. What a, what a strike by Galvan. That yeah. was an incredible oh, yeah. strike. Kids are perfectly, laces, far post, top corner, in off the post, right? I think it went, actually went, went in and off the post. So I was like, he couldn't have, or, or basically just in the corner anyway. Uh, perfect strike. Um, yeah, that was a that was a bad defensive sequence. I have nothing to add to on top of what you already said. Um, I think so. This just going back to our discussion about Benzema's free kicks. As far as my research goes, in between the time we started talking about it until now, <laughs> I believe he scored. He's taken two free kicks in his Real Madrid career. The other one was in two thousand nineteen against Leganes, which he missed a little bit farther out than this one that he scored today. So he's one... F- our, our, uh, why did I say he scored today? Well, it felt like he scored that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, he didn't. Um, so it, it was a nicely struck free kick. I guess that was the point of the discussion. Um, do you want to see him take more? I guess... I would, yeah. Like So Ramos is number one, whether we like it or not. He's pretty good at them. Um, do you think he should be... Where do you think he should be in the pecking order of this tiniest sample size? Ever? He also scored a nice one from with Leon from this uh, this same kind of angle. Uh, 
Yeah, he uh, is actually funny because Mark uh, earlier this week or something put out an article saying Benzema wants to take free kicks because he put that goal up on his Instagram story. So I don't know how they inferred that he wants to take free kicks from that, but I, I guess it was true. And uh, he steps up, and it was almost like the exact same position. That's what was kind of like yeah. creepy about it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, um. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a gorgeous free kick. I'd like to see him take some more before I can make a, a, a f- full opinion. But, like, if he hits it like that every single time, I mean, it was his first one and he hit it right on the money, then I have him as number one, honestly. I haven't – Ramos is good, but I don't think he's – he hasn't been that good. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's not bad. He's always, like – whenever Ramos takes it in my head, I'm like, this is – I don't. I don't know how I feel about this, but he always like he, he either tests the, the the keeper or goes kind of just over. He has deceptively well. He does deceptively well at kind of just making sure that it bends down and arcs down just in time. Um, so yeah, he's so he's taken two in his Real Madrid career as as far as this uh, under Sat model goes anyway, which is goes back to 2014. I'm not sure if it goes back farther than that. And if it does, then uh, I don't know if how many he's taken, but it's not many either way. Um, we talked about Odriozola. We talked about the goal conceded. We talked about the goal scored. Vinicius? About, um, well, we kind of well, talked about We did Vinicius. talk about him, yeah. How about um, Benzema's two opportunities in this second half? Uh, one after that, Really good intricate play around the box between Asensio Modric and uh, Benzema, who gets released and takes that poor. I thought it was a poor shot with his weaker left foot, uh, kind of right at Fernandez. And then again, then later on in the game, probably one of the most clear cut opportunities he's had in a really long time, and he nails it right at like literally he could have picked anywhere else. I do like. Obviously, there were bodies in and around the goal, so it wasn't that easy. But he literally nailed it right at the goalkeeper. Yeah, that's um, he just hammered it, and I guess in his mind, he's like, "This will probably go in the back of the net or rip someone's face off." And that yeah. uh, that probably was not fun to take on the chest. That's for sure. The one yeah. I so he should have done better on those two those two big chances he had. There's no question. I and mean, he's had he's had a few of these, but he also. He also tends to score the golassos and the much harder ones. And actually, probably my favorite shot that he had in this game was the one, apart from the free kick that is, is the one in the 33rd minute where Luka Modric does that little back flick and sets mm-hmm. him free. I enjoyed that one. But uh, yeah, if he's not scoring, um, the team's generally in trouble. So because you need Ramos or Varan to bail you out, apparently. Um, what about... Um, um, Modric, because we talked a lot about Cruz. Mendy's the other one I also want to pick your brain about, but did you have any Modric notes in this game? Yeah, I mean, I just, some we mentioned some of the touches he had were incredible, and I thought he was, again, he and Cruz for me were probably the, the two best players in this match, and just, they, especially in the first half, like, they were playing at such a level that it was kind of like, come on, where's the rest of the team? Guys, step up. I mean, Modric and Cruz are are running everything, p- putting balls on a platter for you, like step up for them. Make like they they've come to the table today. They're they're playing their game and nobody else was was at that level or anywhere near it. And uh that's that's where I think 
maybe it's frustrating for them. Like it's got to be frustrating for them because they're they feel they're dictating everything. They're controlling the match, controlling the tempo, just put, creating space, creating unbelievable passes that release their teammates, and nothing's coming of it. So that's that got to be frustrating from their perspective. Uh, um, Mendy, Mendy, Mendy's just been kind of all over the place uh, this season, and tonight was no different. I felt like early on he had that really nice dribbling uh run where he broke a couple lines but i felt like he still had no no idea where he was going he was just kind of kept dribbling until he found a spot where he was comfortable to to lay the pass off and then other than that i don't know i feel like he he wasn't as active in the final third as we wanted he eventually ended up in the right back position had a cross with his right foot that went directly to the goalkeeper it was just kind of it was kind of a so-so performance from from furlong um, did you know that he led, uh, th- that he led the team, uh, possibly the entire game, but led the team in completed dribbles? Wow. I did not know that. Four completed, dri- four completed four. dribbles. I wonder, Vinicius had, three. Vinicius had three. I wonder like how many of them actually counted on that sequence where he basically just ripped through everybody. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. That was in the 12th minute. Yeah. And yeah, that was the one I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is the one that was actually a really nice, incisive line breaking dribbling run. And, um, he had, a, he had a couple moments where he added some nice pass and move sequences to create space for others and stuff. He also, oh, the one thing I wanted to mention about Rafa Mir, which I forgot directly related to him, Rafa Mir just beats him at the far post for that header in the 64th minute, the one that Courtois saved. I think yeah. Mendy needs to do better in that situation to, to get to the, to, to Rafa Mir. Um, so that's, I guess we can talk about Marvin and, and also Marcelo coming in and the subs and stuff. So did you have any, any thoughts on the subs? Yeah, I thought, so first, obviously Marcelo comes in and I thought Marcelo actually had a really positive impact. Um, and if you don't focus on his defending, I mean, he primarily had the opportunity just to, to try and help us score. And so, he comes. He comes in. We play that short corner, and he nearly scores with his right foot um, off that short corner. So I thought uh, that was a positive impact, and he just he had some nice touches. And then Marvin comes in. We switch the formation. Casemiro drops in as a as a third center back, and uh, Marcelo and Marvin get to play as I guess wing backs. And I thought that I mean that's perfect for Marcelo because we we don't want him to have to defend we don't want him to have to worry about the space behind him like let him just if we're going to try and win this game let him focus on the final third and for Marvin I don't know I didn't see I didn't see much from him um I guess he was he was fine he drew one foul late on um but I don't I didn't see enough to kind of have any real evaluation of him I don't think there's much to take away from that performance from Marvin. Like you said, I mean, it's a right, it's a kind of right wing back thing and it's a very limited sample size. Um, did you see Marcelo almost made an immediate impact when he had that uh, shot with his right foot after cutting in you know, like on his first touch. Zidane's quotes basically were just, just perfect for the narrative. It's like everything, everything, he always says it's like just about suffering and character to win and grind it out and stuff. So, but there's not much, nothing else to really talk about from the press conference. Is there anything else we miss, Matt? 
Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, so let's do some housekeeping and patron shoutouts. So on the website right now, managingmajor.com, you'll find a lot of post game analysis outside of this podcast for um, for not only the men's team but also the women's team. So Real Madrid Feminino won three one today. Um, and a hat trick from Aslani, and we also have post game quotes. We have player ratings. We have some analysis on the classical still from the women's classical that Ohm put up a few days ago. That's pinned, and a bunch of other analysis and stuff. And then on Tuesday, Matt and I will be back for the Lone Tracker. We'll discuss an Odegaard cameo. We'll discuss Myrel versus Juve, and a bunch of other things. Rainier Jesus, right, got some time off the bench today. He did indeed, finally. Yeah, for Dortmund. So we'll, we'll break that down. We also want to do some patron shout-outs. So if you want access to the Loan Tracker, make sure you're a patron over at patreon.com slash managingmadrid. You get access to the Tuesday Loan Tracker. You get access to the Thursday Mailbag. You get access to other post-game shows and other content, content whether it's Castilla Corner. We're going to throw some of those match previews we do with Jose on Patreon only. Um... Real Madrid Feminino sometimes goes on Patreon only. So make sure you're a patron over at patreon.com slash managing Madrid. We are going to do shout outs for our $10 plus patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast once a week. So shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Ron Locke, Phoenix, GWolf94, S.A. Davisito, Willie Reed, Way Pairing, Tyler Simon, Tyler Dixon, Tobias Arroyo Botcher. Um, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Rosano, Said Mahad, Sad Omar, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potlery, Oscar Barrera, Nick Ribeiro, Nick Lahr, Muxi Thengal, Mowgli, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, MJ Diego, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Karen Scherer, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, Eric Rogers, Eloy Enriquez, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brandon Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fiori Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Anthony Lombardi, Anirud Singh, Alexis Saniceros, Adam Dorsey, Al, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much for your support. You guys all rock. Matt, thank you, my friend. We will be back Tuesday and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Ken. Take care.